Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A huge explosion of fire for John Forrest. The car exploded going through the lights and this is as bad a fire as we... On this episode, we look back at Seattle, look forward to Topeka, and talk to Seattle winner Tony Schumacher. It's going to be Tim Wilkerson. Wilkerson goes 391-2. The 86-time top fuel winner had to bust through a tough weekend to get the victory. Perfect reaction time for Dallas Glenn. Triple zeros across the top of the time slip, and at the finish line stripe, it's Dallas Glenn. This is the NHRA Insider. It's Bruce Pentagon, 395-8, 324 miles an hour. A margin of victory of 26 ten thousandths of a second. Hey everybody, Brian Loans here again with another episode of the NHRA Insider. Back at you uh, after the close of the Western Swing. And what a close it was in Seattle, Washington. The Flavor Pack Northwest Nationals were um, everything I think we hoped it could be and maybe even a little bit more than that. We're going to talk about that race. My guest on today's show will be Tony Schumacher. Got a lot of stuff to talk to Tony about including uh, his victory, of course, most centrally. But we're going to talk about a lot of the things that led up to that. We're going to talk about the Maynard family racing team. Uh, you know, this is the first time the guy's ever won a Wally that uh, he didn't do it for DSR, did it for the Maynard family. And that was major news. And hopefully you watched our broadcast on Fox on Sunday. Uh, you saw the interview that Jamie Howe did um, along with Joe Maynard and Tony Schumacher. They talked a lot about uh, many different topics. And so it's going to be uh, one of the things we're we're kind of catching up uh, and getting some insight from Tony about, uh, among other things, of course. And, you know, when we look at the Northwest Nationals, uh, it'll go down in history for a couple of reasons, the heat being one of them, uh, the way the racetrack reacted to that heat being another. Pretty astonishing, the amount of track temperature we had. I mean, a lot of the weekend, the track lived over 130 degrees at some points, closer to 140. And... Despite that, there was still plenty of racetrack to work with. We saw tire smoke, which we do always. I mean, it's the nature of drag racing, but um, we didn't see a lot of it on Sunday. We saw way less of it on Sunday than I think any of us would have expected. And we look at the way the first round shook out, some just incredible battles side by side. We look at the way the points are starting to really shake out and how they're starting to look and and the, the critical nature of success uh, to best position yourself to win a championship is in now in full display. And we have Topeka coming up. Uh, we have a weekend off uh, this weekend. Then we have Topeka and Brainerd back-to-back, and then the weekend off, and then the U.S. Nationals, and then the playoffs begin. So um, let's talk – I guess let's start right with pro stock. I mean, when we look at pro stock and, and we talk about how this went out over the course of the day, uh, Greg Anderson, you know, really made um, leaps and bounds of, of performance at, uh, ground up, I should say, in Sonoma. And then he comes in and qualifies number one in Seattle in the heat. And all of a sudden, it's like, Greg is back. This is how it's going to go down. And then, uh, unfortunately for Greg, just absolutely blew the tires off. Blew the tires off the car and knocked himself out of competition, setting up a final round of Troy Coughlin Jr. and Erica Enders. And I'm going to do a Skype uh, this week with Erica. You can watch for that on NHRA.com and, and across NHRA social media. Uh, not necessarily talking about that specific round loss for her, but um, talking about everything that's kind of brought her to this point, what we should be looking forward to in, in Topeka and, and that kind of thing. But for Troy Coughlin Jr., this is a great moment in his life. He joins his father and his uncle as a pro stock winner, uh, 71st person to ever win in pro stock. And I've said it before. I will say it again. Uh, it is the most elite club in drag racing. 
having nothing to do with the team name uh, that Troy races with, but just having to do with the word. Uh, over 900 pro stock races have been contested, and only 71 different people have ever won in the class out of 900 races. There, there have been periods in time, uh, specifically in the early 80s, you had what was known as the Big Four, which was Glidden, Lee Shepard, Warren Johnson, and Frank Iaconio. And for a span of, I believe, four seasons, uh, only those four guys won. Nobody else won a race, 64-some, 70-some races, other than those four people. It speaks to how tough the class is, and it speaks to even though the fact that it's evolved into something very different than it was in the early 80s, um, it is still a vastly, vastly technical, very difficult class to win in, and especially when you have the likes of Eric Enders next to you in a final round. Yeah, and he goes out there and wins it by a single tenth thou. It was amazing to watch as my incrementals were coming up on the screen in front of me as the cars are going down the racetrack. It had this inkling that he was leading still by a very slight margin at the eighth mile at a thousand feet. She had basically, uh, even to my to my eye, the, the numbers flashed up so quickly it seemed as though it was a dead heat, but he still apparently had a tiniest of margins and he hung on to it for that last 320 feet. So congratulations to Troy Coughlin Jr. In the Coughlin family, another professional-level winner there. And obviously, Troy Jr. has driven so much different stuff. He's won in the alcohol cars. He's won in multiple sportsman classes. He's won, you know, now in pro stock. He's driven top fuel cars, pro mods, the works. He has done pretty much all of it, been successful across the board as well. Nitro Funny Car, um, you know, Nitro Funny Car is just... Uh, it's just a thing of beauty to watch if you're Robert Height, maybe a thing of frustration to watch it for everybody else. But what we have seen out of Robert Height's car, we expect some of it. We expect the the sea level, the cool air performance. Not necessarily what we do expect. And Robert said as much. He said, you know, we were, we've been working on this hot, hot weather setup because they felt like that was a you know, if not a, a weak spot, a soft spot for them in their armor. And clearly it works because I mean he was absolutely hauling on Sunday. And it was not going to be denied. I mean, it was just there was nobody legitimately that was going to stop that guy. And um, J.R. Todd put up a good fight in the final. He was disappointed in himself. He felt he was a little bit off the mark in terms of reaction time. Robert was stellar. And um, they ran within a couple thou of each other. So, you know, you can't ask for much more than that when it comes to a final round. And J.R. was like beating himself up bad over this one. He's kind of bouncing his head off the front of the car and with his helmet on of course <laughs> and um just he took it hard he's a hardcore racer and he takes this stuff very much to heart so uh in that moment it didn't go his way but again that's another team that we've been waiting to see a weekend like this from and so they put one together and ultimately you need to start putting them together at this time of the year so it'd be one thing if they you know if they did the same thing uh in epping you know it's fine everyone wants to win every race but now you're doing it you're making final rounds on a hot day in seattle uh, this is transferable information for this time of the year and, and likely uh, for your team's ability to grow in the nostalgia car and to maybe feed some info to the uh, to the big car, whatever that can be used for. Uh, so we then move to the top fuel category. And when we move to the top fuel category, uh, it is our guest that we're going to be talking today, which becomes the central story. And, you know, there's so many layers to it. Um, we'll get into all that stuff with Tony, but we look across at other cars that were good this weekend. Steve Torrance's car qualified well. Obviously, the, the, the tire smoke was a shocker to me uh, from the Capco car. That was just not what I figured was going to happen there. 
Um, we know Justin Ashley's car ran well. Sean Langdon's car with this uh, philosophical change of simply getting something down the racetrack and letting the driver do the best and do the rest uh, has proven to be strong. And unfortunately for Sean, it came down to a reaction time problem. He was 121, and Tony just swallowed him whole on the starting line and beat him on a whole shot. Uh, as we'll talk about, Tony won four rounds in four very different ways over the course of Sunday and shows his breadth and depth of the, as a professional and, and as a champion to, to be able to do that. So, you know, Langdon's car running well. Uh, Doug Coletta's car, you know, again, we're seeing that car creep into some second rounds. Um, it had been a year since Doug had gone to a semifinal, which they got that clicked off the old checklist uh, in Sonoma. They did not make a semifinal here, but uh, the car is a consistent two-round performer every week, and, and they just need to put a back half of a race day together. And obviously, they're working on it, and the smartest guys in the room are, are all huddled up on it. And, you know, to, to be positive, not to put a positive spin on it, but to really look at it objectively, both the Coletta cars are better now than they were at the Gator Nationals. There's no way to argue around that. They go rounds with consistency. They're not smoking the tires. They qualify decently well. All the statistics point to incremental forward progress. I think Sean's forward progress may be a, st- a half a step ahead of Doug's to this point. That being said, when they get Doug's car sealed off on, he will likely leapfrog around Sean performance-wise because it's Alan Johnson and, and there will be nothing left to chance. A team, and there are a couple teams, I think, if we're going to look at one side of it, we got to look at the other and... You know, if I'm Clay Milliken and that team, I think it's um, I think it's it's time to get a little worried. And uh, I look at I look at Tony Schumacher, who is now ten points behind you uh, for that tenth position. And you know, it's Clay's car is a, a typically he went to the final in Phoenix. That was the high water mark of the season. Went to the final in Phoenix, um, but it is one and two rounders, and the the, the two rounders are lacking. Uh, frequency with the one round performances on Sundays and you know Antron still still struggling there's no way to get around that but Clay Milliken will be in the countdown no matter what as he has appeared at every race and run the majority of the qualifying sessions he has met every criteria as far as that goes but he doesn't want to start the countdown 11th or 12th he wants to start it ultimately wants to start at number one, but he definitely wants to start inside the 10 bubble. And the reason you want to be inside the 10 bubble is because even with a points reset, if you're 12th or 13th or whatever you end up being, um, your countdown basically ends as quickly as it begins. If you lose early in the first race, there's such a disparity that you'll never be able to make it back. So uh, for the Milliken team, for the Brown team, and, you know, I've, I'm taking Tony Schumacher out of this con- this part of the conversation because, that, you know, you win a race and now i got to look at your car differently. Uh, you win a race with some performance. You win a race with some driving. You win a race with some pedaling. You win a race with some leaving. You, you got pretty much all the elements, all the pieces of the, the, the recipe are there. And it was, a, uh, it was something that I think resets my, resets my outlook for Tony, um, for Tony Schumacher. Uh, is anybody sitting here saying that they probably won't make the top 10? I'm not going to say that. They're half a round out of the top 10 right now and coming off a win and going to places that are traditionally good racetracks for Tony. Topeka and Brainerd, lots of good stuff has happened there for Tony Schumacher over the years. And then we have Leah. Uh, you know, Leah, they won Denver. Um, didn't have a whole lot more to talk about after that. Sonoma was an off weekend for them. And then, you know, it was a decent weekend 
up until the reaction time for Leah uh, in, in eliminations. And look, we've seen her shake them off in the past. I assume she's going to shake this one off too. Um, the, the quicker, the better for hers as far as that goes. The quicker, the better for any driver. I'm not specifically saying her. But that um, the, the Western Swing began with more promise than it ended with for Leah Pruitt. But they did leave with a victory at their sponsor race. And that is a, a moment that cements that team just like the moment that Tony Schumacher had, which I believe cements his team as well. So that's my take on Seattle. Uh, rather than keep babbling on, I am going to transition us into our first guest. He is an 86-time winner in Top Fuel, the winningest Top Fuel racer in history, and the most recent Top Fuel winner in the NHRA Camping World Drag Racing Series Tour, Mr. Tony Schumacher. How you doing, Tony? Damn, a whole lot better than I was doing <laughs> the last few weeks. <laughs> well, man, we got a ton of stuff to talk about here, obviously, um, but what an incredible week, I guess, top to bottom. Before we even really get to the racetrack, let's t- let's talk a little bit about, about this new, I don't even call it a partnership, I guess, with the Maynard family taking the majority stake in the team. Um, kind of how long did you know this was going to happen? How, how involved have you been in those conversations? I was actually less involved probably than, than you would think, but, you know, Joe Maynard and Kathy Maynard, when we met, uh, in Vegas last year, they they were excited and stepped up big time, you know, to be the sponsor this year, kind of to get me back. Sure. And it was pretty early on that they started saying, you know what, we really have intentions of being more than just a sponsor. We, we really want to be out here. And I think them and my dad had been talking quite a while. Uh, you know, I just, uh, they had mentioned it over and over and I'd heard it. I knew that they had been talking and, and you know, it got more intense, I guess, the last couple of weeks, which to me really surprised me because our car wasn't performing at that kind of, you know, sure. gotta buy a team level, you know, just <laughs> right. Right. But, but, you know, I think I'm a very positive guy and, and, you know, I always talk and I think when they hear you constantly going, look, there is a light at the end of this tunnel. I have been through this before. Yeah. I have lived this moment and I did it with Alan Johnson. Look, we couldn't win around to save our butt in 06 for a long time. And, you know, you're talking about Alan Johnson. So, you know, we, I've struggled, um, and, I, and I've come out of it, and I think the positivity kind of flowed over to them, and they said, we just want to be here. Yeah, so, and, you, know, you know, that interview you did with Jamie, with Joe uh, on Sunday, or you did a Saturday afternoon with Joe and, and Jamie, and I was really impressed with what the guy had to say. I mean, he says, listen, I, I plan on being this kind of hands-on guy for 10 years. I got a son. I got a grandson. I mean, this is not a guy who was looking for, like you said, he's not a guy that was looking at last week's results. This is the guy who clearly has a plan for the future, which is really exciting. It is. And, you know, he, he said kind of right away, he goes, all right, let's get this thing moving and let's start bringing some people from alcohol cars and teach them how to do this. Let's let's." And, and I thought, well, I, mean, I haven't heard that in a long time where yeah. someone said, Let's really look out. Let's look out there and start looking at drivers and say, you know, how do we build this program? How do we make people, whether we teach them how to drive and they go off and do their own thing or, or later in life we have another car, it doesn't really matter. It's just his, his thought is there are people that need to be coming into the sport. We need to have a bigger field. We need, and, and you know, I get excited about that because there are some great drivers. We need to be handpicking these people and, and watching what they're doing and, you know, A, give them a little hope, man, yeah. you know? Yeah. I know when I drove an alcohol car, I sure didn't have that. There wasn't something out there that said, you know, hey, step over here and let's see what <laughs> right. you can do in a fuel car. There was nothing. You had to fight your way into this stuff, and you still will. Look, there's nothing easy about this. You know, it ain't like there's a spare car sitting there ready to run. Sure. But, but at least you got a guy, you got a family out there going, we love this sport, 
and we're going to make sure we're here for a while, and we're going to and we're going to do it by watching these young drivers and, and watching these people who are performing in the step right, the class right below, and uh, you know we'll bring them up. And he's he already and, and has for a while sponsored other cars, so yes. he's got these you know young kids out there driving, and it's cool to watch them. They're excited. I've been able to meet some of them, and uh, they they have the same love for the sport that I have just in a different class. You know, you tend to watch top fuel and funny car, but man, there's people that put their heart and soul. There's people that three in the morning are on the side of the road with a broken down trailer doing it. And, they're, and yeah. they don't even care. They're laying under that thing, fixing it themselves. <laughs> we got to remember that is what NHRA drag racing has always been about. The love of this game man, drag racing at its finest. Yeah, no, that's a fact. And, and he has it where it counts. And, and I think the other thing that, um, you know, it's kind of exciting for me, and and what you just said is, you know, Joe's. A lot of people don't necessarily know their backstory, but Joe's a self-made guy, obviously, you know, successful beyond probably even his own wildest imagination, and I think he he has the ability to see that in other people, and uh, that's one of the neatest things that that if he is willing and able and wanting to look around to identify, like you said, talent that that needs to be elevated or that can be assisted to be elevated, it's huge because. One of the things we do a poor job of in this sport, to a degree, is is that 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 step by step process. It used to be back in the day, if you wanted to race a pro stock car, you were bracket racer, you race super gas, bing bing bing. Next thing you know, you're in a pro stock car. Well, those days have, have kind of ended. So if there's a guy out there that's looking to build a path, it's huge. It's fantastic for everyone involved, and it just gives that light at the end of the tunnel to the, the younger people growing up, trying to spending all their hard earned money, man, dude. This is one of those sports where you spend every nickel you got and a lot of nickels you don't have. (laughs) You know, that's just the way it is. You give up everything to do this job for a long, long time, you know. And, you know, I looked at the the list of top fuel cars. There were 37 of them this year, and that's cool, That people that have gone down the track. You know, there used to be way more, you know, and and we've lost some of that stuff. we got to get it back. Um, I am a firm believer we got the greatest sport in the world you guys did a hell of a job on the interview this, this weekend was fun to watch um the sport's doing right by people we got good crowds little light in seattle but it's always been that way but yeah so the, no the weather didn't help that. us either at 100 billion degrees yeah it was so hot dude it was like i mean it, sitting in that car you know my wife sit, stands there with an ice rag and hands it to me every two minutes and re-soaks it because your body temp sitting in that car is, is unbearable, you know, and, and to be sitting in the stands in big old metal seats, you know, you're just getting cooked. So I, yeah. we appreciate them coming out, the sacrifice they did, the money they spent making our sport, you know, look good. But, but you got to look at Sonoma, man. That place is jam-packed. Oh, it's yeah. phenomenal. And several of the races this year has been great. And even in a time like we're going through, yeah. you know, we're financial burden and stuff, people will find the money to show up at a sport because as hard of a day as they've had, they absolutely need to be entertained. Yeah, and that is our job. That's a fact. And, and you know, to, to fast forward to Sunday a little bit, the entertainment value in your win was very high. I mean, this was this is to me, as I was flying home and, and kind of looking back and think about stuff, you won this race in a very veteran fashion, meaning that, yeah, good performance early. Yeah, one one round and a whole shot. You win one round and a great paddle job. I mean, this is the this is a really kind of well rounded victory. I I think so. The the whole shot's funny to me because we spend so much time talking about whole shots, and the truth is, I didn't leave early. He didn't really leave late. Both of us hit the gas at the same time. We were just it was a long tree. He held the brake because the tree wasn't on, and I didn't. <laughs> I'm wow, like, okay. I'm sending this. You know, like yeah. I never take credit for something I didn't do. Yes, I was in there. I had let go of the brake. That was a brutally long tree, and 
I have said it from the beginning. We spend, I watch all the races. We spend so much time talking about these young drivers and their quick speeds, but you know what? They haven't won that much. And, and I get the reaction time is important, but driving a car down the middle of the lane wins races. I am not and never have been the best lever on the planet. I'm conservative when it comes to hitting the gas. I, I will not change the way I do that. My job is to use the right brake pressure, hit the gas at the exact right time that I can, and drive that car straight. And that straight driving, unsettling the car, moving it around is the worst thing you could do. And, and my goal is to stay what I know wins championships, to do what I know. And I think we had that. That third round was way more impressive than that whole shot win. Because oh, sure. the whole shot win was, was just flat lucky. <laughs> you know, I mean, the light was long. And it was funny because I think Jamie did an interview after first round. It did go on TV, but she goes, uncharacteristically, a 114 light. And I, was, I said, well, that's actually more characteristically. That, that is more me than you think <laughs> when, it's, when I have a tenth of a second on the, on the, the other car. Yeah. I always have been like, do not leave early. There's one way to give this one up, yeah. and it is to be calm and cool. And then I watched Brittany who had a fairly easy first round, and she had a 113 light. Yep. And it's like, you know, you got to look. you got to live in the in the moment you're in. you got to look around and go, okay, I'm not running a Coletta right now. And then I love Palmer, man. He's a great dude, but his car was a 10 slower. You know, right. so you, you, don't, you don't go up there and give it away, and you hold the brake, calm, cool, smooth, and get it down the track. And I think... And that's on both ends, right? I mean, that's that's not only on your end, but that's also on the tuning side. You know, it's not like the idea of going up there and trying to run low ET of the world against a car that, by rights, you have covered is the same right. is the same as what you're doing in the cockpit as far as not not overdriving or, or trying to, you know, cut your own throat up there. Yeah, situational awareness, and I think it's important. Race the race, you, you know, yes, the racetrack, you got to go out there. You can't back it down so much you drop cylinders. I think we might have done that, but... We're getting better. We're getting to where we need to be. We were 100 points out of top 10, and we're 10 now. Yeah, you're half we're around now. Yeah. Yeah, and we've had so many things go wrong that, you know, it's about time, man. It, it was great to have Phil Schuler there helping out. Um, you know, and a lot of people are giving him some good credit, but I got to tell you, I sat there and watched Todd Okahara use the mouse from Indianapolis, take control of the computer. And <laughs> him, Phil was doing what he what he was told to sure, do. Sure, he was executing. He was executing, yeah. Yeah, fantastic job. But, man, to be able to tune a car from another place is, is <laughs> you know, hats off to Todd. He did a hell of a job in flying it on Sunday and getting a win. You know, being beat down and tired as he was, he still he still uh, he cowboyed up. And, and uh, I'm proud of him, man. I'm proud of the whole team. They, I had guys on that team never held a Wally before. I mean, guys on that team that are 20 years old, it lit a fire under them this weekend like they had never had in their life. It was, uh, you know, it, it, awesome. And, and and we're a couple days away. We're flying out tomorrow morning to go to Mayville, Wisconsin, to SCAG headquarters. Oh, cool. To, to do a picnic. Couldn't ask for a better time. It was just perfect. So, you know, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about as well because we saw two teams on the Western Swing and specifically in Top Fuel win, and these are new teams for this year. It was Leah, obviously, in Denver, and it's, it's you guys in Seattle. And one of the things I want to talk about is this process, and, and I'm wondering if that's – it's. I don't think it's any coincidence that, that these two cars won at this point in the year with teams that are, that were assembled over the wintertime. And, and I want to talk about the cataclysmic difference between that – and some of the other quote unquote new teams that basically was just a, a change in mailing address for where the bills and checks go. So what has been this and as frustrating frustrating as it has been, what has this process been for you to watch kind of this this team mature and come together? I love it. 
So I've always been that kind of guy that, that likes to start, even when Alan left. Okay. When Alan was leaving and we started talking about what are we going to do? Who are we going to put there? You know, Jake was there and I said, dude, I'll sit through a year of figuring it out with you. And I never got that chance, you know, but I said, I'll sit through a year with you because I love you guys. Like we'll go through the learning curve. It has to occur. You know, I drive probably different than other people. I use different brake pressure. Everything's you get in a car and a crew chief has to go, okay, what am I seeing here? And it takes time. Yeah. You don't fire. You don't change. You don't throw helmets. You don't get pissed. You just do your job over and over again. And that they get comfortable with that. And they go, wow, this is, uh, this is not what we expected. You know, a guy that goes out and wins, even when Mike Green came over, he goes, well, we kind of thought you were going to be a jerk. You know, like you, you want a lot of stuff. You want a lot of stuff and, and we're new. And, and I said, absolutely not. I go, just take some time man. you know, and, and we all get to know each other and you learn each other's likes, dislikes, how they work, how they perform. And you, it, it, it's just adversity. It's a struggle because it's difficult. And then when you get it figured out and you earn that first win, everyone's just ecstatic because it was so darn hard to get there. Yeah. You know, look at Selzy, you know, he popped into a car, drove for Alan Johnson right away, went out winning. He didn't have that struggle. We have been through it. I've been through that thing. And, and I've even been through it with Alan. 06 was a perfect example of digging through adversity and, and coming out in the end. You know, I mean, what a rough year we had. We got beat first round over and over. We were taking just a shellacking after winning championships. So, you know, figure it out, man. Calm, cool. And, and it, I think obviously with your your history and your pedigree and everything that you've you've accomplished in your career, you have an, an interesting perspective in this. Would you have had or did you have when we go back that fifteen years? When we go back even further than that, would you have still had or did you still have that same level of patience? And or is this something that you've obviously matured into? That's a really good question. I guarantee I've matured into it. Um, you know, at the beginning you expect it at the beginning you're the problem right. you know like i I'm, I'm not you know yeah. i thought i was a good driver and you know looking back you go jesus i was awful i can't even believe they kept you know you just yeah. everyone thinks you know you're you're a little better than you are right it's why we get in these cars but you know it, it took a lot of learning a lot of listening a lot of great talented drivers helping me out and uh i hope i do the same for the younger younger drivers out here when they ask questions i give them a absolutely honest answer um i want them to be good drivers i want the competition to be good i want the race to look like it did last week yeah where every time you go this is a huge matchup and then there's a winner right and and it's not an easy route it's a difficult path because well i'll tell you right now that's one of the most beautiful trophies i've held in a long time not because i didn't win one for two years because in all fairness i didn't win one in 12 races i was off last year you know, I kept hearing that on the radio. He hasn't won in two years. Well, you can't win if you're not there. You know, and, <laughs> that's a fact. And I was, I was really specific that I'm going to put a good sponsorship together, and I'm going to come out with a car they can win. I don't want to just be out there doing it. You know, and uh, I think we we're finding our path right now. Uh, height inspires me because Robert Height went out and won a championship from the test. You really yeah. don't think that's possible. You know, you're like, come on, really? You're starting a long way back. You got six races. I think we got six, right? And, you know, there's a long way out there, but you can do it. You got to get the car running at the right time. And we still don't have a car capable of running with Brittany. That's just fact. Yeah, well, that you and, and, and technically no one else on the planet has one either. So you're in good company. <laughs> yeah, I'm in good company. We're going to have to beat her the hard way. And we're going to have to go out and win like we did there. We're going to have to push them. 
But, you know, everyone's like, oh, man, you got lucky. Britney smoked the tires. Like, I don't think that's luck, man. You know, people in the beginning, when we were running, a lot of my friends were saying, well, she's gone down the track every time. There is a struggle coming because it is a difficult thing to go down the track four times on race day yeah. in that kind of heat. So I was comfortable. Like I said, I'm just going to go out there and do my job. And, you know, it'll, and my car was shut off coasting down there because, again, it's difficult. And you do need a little bit of luck. You know, I mean, yeah, but and, just, and I think I think so much, and I think one of the words that I I just hate in in this sport is luck to a degree because you make it, you make a lot of your own luck. Things that on the surface, if if you're you know John Q. Public at home just watching the drag races, oh, he got lucky, she smoked the tires. Well, that, that's and that's such a simplistic view of hold on a second, why did she smoke the tires? She smoked exactly. the tires, you know, and and then you you really got to go to the next level there. So yeah, to your, I, I agree with your point, but I also think. So much of these scenes that we see play out on the racetrack are created by the things that led up to them, and that's because you guys had a good running car. Absolutely, John Force was the prime example of that. How many championships has he won because everyone else gave it? Oh yeah, up. You know, he's yeah. he was he was gonna get down the track. He was gonna pedal that car. He was bad to the bone. Still is to this day. He's a monster. And people that race against him make mistakes because of that. Yep. You know, I mean, some of the guys that leave real quick they create people to red light they create people to be late because you double step it because you don't want to get beat on that whole shot it's one of those things for me i like to think i'm pretty calm in that car i'd rather you beat me on a whole shot than make a mistake yeah then go out there and double step it and drive like an idiot because there's so much more to it it's it's a thousand foot racetrack you got to get that all the stuff's got to happen you got to keep that car in the groove you got to hit the gas on time you know look at we we boast about we boast about Proc. Proc's a good lever, right? Sure. You, you'd say he's a great oh, lever, yeah. right? Yeah. His first race win, what was his light? Oh, it was like 190. It, it, it yeah. was insane. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I watched it I watched it yesterday. I go, okay, he's a great light lever, yet his win came with a 190 light. Right. And, and that happens, you know, from time to time. Salinas, he'll have 20 lights and he'll have 250s. Yeah. Come on. You know, like, I, I'm just that dude that I want to give that 80 light every time. Every single time be in that window know when I can beat calm and know when I have to step up. Yeah. And, and that's kind of my little, you know, my thing I've been beat on a lot of whole shots and I've, I've won a couple. I've definitely been beat on more because I am an average 60, 70 lever. That's just what I'm going to give you, but I'm going to be in there fairly thin and I'm going to go down the center of the racetrack and calmly, I'm not going to yank that car around. My crew chief is learning that, wow, two tires on the ground really need more clutch, two tires on the ground in the back really apply a lot more clutch you know and and that just over time it gives him the confidence to step on it it gives him the confidence to make changes that he he couldn't have had and made before and and it's a fun thing you know we'll, we'll get better we'll get in that top 10 there's some great cars ahead of me i gotta pass a bunch of bunch of people still but well look you know, you're uh between between the available points at, at topeka and brainer then points and a half in indy um, given a couple of good weeks, you could find yourself maybe in even a better spot than you'd imagine. I mean, to me, Josh Hart is going to play very strong defense to maintain fifth. I don't think Josh can move up any higher. I think that one through four is, is pretty tight. But when we go yep. down to like five through 11 with two races and points and a half, uh, that, there's a lot of opportunity there. Well, for, and I, at the beginning, we were so bad, I lost 30 points. 30 points in oil downs. I hate that you yeah. lose points, but it's a fact. But take those points away, I'm sitting... I don't know, ninth? Yeah, you're ninth. You know, so <laughs> yeah. at, at the end of the day, you know, that sucks that, that yeah. nobody wants a championship to be decided by parts failures and breakage, especially from a new team. 
but it is the law and it's the rule. And I'm not someone that complains about it. We all have the same rule, you know, and, and I've cost 10 of them points. I, you know, one of the runs, I just drove like an idiot and blew the thing up. It's like it happens. So those are the rules. That's what we stick to. But in reality, our points from what we've earned. And, and let me tell you something. We have earned only three points and they were all there in the, at Seattle qualifying. Had we go out and make some yeah. qualifying points, you know, we literally have been awful qualifying. We have, I don't know if we've been in the top half except once this year, maybe twice. So we're killing ourselves there. But if we can start gaining some of those points, and I think we're going to do it right now, all of a sudden, you know, that, that 10 points disappear. You're in yeah. the top 10. You're fighting your way into six, you know, so. You know, Let's one, just have fun. Yeah, and listen, one of the last things I want to touch on here is the the pedaling run next to Ashley was, you know, in my opinion, we we, we very rarely in this sport actually get to see so – we, we never get to see two examples of the same thing ha- happen simultaneously next to each other, right? We saw two guys yeah. trying to pedal their race cars. We saw you, one guy who's been doing it for decades, and Justin really has not had to do it that much, and frankly, it showed. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that in the sense of you mentioned like, you know, leaving the starting line sometimes or, or you know, the long tree, how things can kind of mess with you mentally. But when you pedaled the car this weekend, we ran it back a couple of times in super slow-mo. The front wheels never changed direction. You were, you were working the throttle, I mean, unbelievably kind of in a sensitive manner. And I guess I want to talk about that pedal job and, and obviously in contrast to Justin who – as a young guy, got a little steering into it, and then we saw what happened. Yeah, you got to be calm in that thing when you spoke the tires. I watched the show, too, and it was funny because they circled the injector, and, and they said, look, at it, and he pedals it again. You missed the first one is what happened because I did pedal it twice. Yes. You can see it. And uh, it's, 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 you don't slap it back open. You roll back in it, and you roll back in it, keep that thing straight. You cannot hit the gas when that thing is sideways. Under absolutely no condition, there's no reason to do it. You're excited. And it does happen. We've seen Salinas try to flip one over. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you get them things sideways, you know, and, and Bernstein and Brittany. We've all done it. Look, I've been sideways and hit that gas. We all have. The calmness and letting that car get back straight before you squeeze in it is going to win those rounds. I have been beaten in many of those rounds. Langdon's one of the best pedalers there is. He's calm, cool. He'll stop and let it really stop and slow down and squeeze back in it. You know, but when you look back at Denver, when that thing wheel stood, you guys yeah. didn't zoom in on, on the on the uh, butterflies, but I brought that thing down fairly soft. I can't believe I bent it. it at the last second, it floated, and I was like, come on, you got to land, and I'm waiting to tap it as it goes down, and I never got the chance, and I bent it a little harder. But when you watch that thing, it goes up, the levers come in, and it lifts up. The levers yeah. come in, and it lifts up again, and then I come off of it. I blip it once, you trying did. to bring it yes. down, and then I blip it again, and I'm like, it was cool to go back and watch that because – Sometimes you go, I get out of the car and I go, no, I, hit, I blipped it twice. And the crew chief goes, what? And then they watch it and they go, son of a gun. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. it, but it gives them, you know, like I am not, again, I'm not the most stellar lever. I think I'm a good driver down track. You know, I think that years and years of experience uh, has, has helped me do that. I've been through, I don't know how many thousand runs. And, and to me, my forte is keeping the car straight. So, uh, for those of you who want to drill me, you probably got a good chance of it, you know, except for Langdon on that particular run. <laughs> 98% of the time, he's going to slap me on the start line. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just the way it is. Yep. I'm not stupid. I want to go down the track yeah. straight because, to me, that wins championships. Straight down the racetrack, good load on the brakes, 
keeping that car straight, knowing where you are on the track, shutting it off at a thousand or one feet will keep those oil downs to a minimum. I think um, over the course of the year, you know, when you add it all up, that's more important to me than hitting the gas. I know the numbers are important and the stats and stuff, but eight championships, in my opinion, will speak differently because I am take eight championships and the amount of time I leave on the other person is probably only 30%. I'm usually right after you. So if you hit an 80, I hit an 85. Right. So the, the stat is skewed a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you're not giving people you know? a whole lot of rope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they did hit the gas first, so whatever. Well, man, I thank you for uh, for taking some time today. And, and I guess the very last thing I want to touch on is the fact that uh, we mentioned the Maynard family taking a majority interest in the team. Uh, everybody and their brothers talked to your dad over the course of the last two weeks. And, and it's been interesting, and it's been really cool to kind of hear his perspective. And I guess I just want your perspective on it. I mean, what is this? Because I don't know if anybody's actually asked you. They've asked him a lot and, and what he's going to do and how he's going to maintain involvement. But, but how did this, if at all, feel any different for you winning – outside of a dsr wally i mean this is your first maynard family racing wally it is but still dsr i mean it's, it's the same people the same club the same group my dad's still there he went at this race because he loves fishing oh yeah you know i, I mean Famously, I guess he, he yeah and, and he wasn't at, you know several of the races this year so you know like this one here was apparent because maynard bought it but you know he's missed a few out there this year so i think maynard was excited kathy and joe both wanted to own this team I think for whatever happened, they just sat down and said, we want this. We want to be part of this. And my dad, uh, you know, whatever, it was his time. They came up with a great agreement. My dad will always be with me, you know. Absolutely. Me and him started this whole program together. I mean, this is, you know, I'm, I'm, I love the fact that he's done such a great job. I love the fact that when you, when you, he's built so many teams, we got a Tony Stewart team out there. We got an Antron. We got oh a Oh, my cast. God. It's unbelievable. He did that. Yeah. You know, he did that. He yeah. put those people out there. And I think uh, now to have Maynard, and trust me, he, he's not going to sit around and do nothing. He, he loves racing. He's going to be out there doing it. He just gets a little more. He needed he needed a break, I think. Yeah, it's listen, a, the guy has invested, I mean, not only in, his, in drag racing, but also in his other, you know, professional endeavors. Uh, everybody needs a little time in the sun right and this is his absolutely and you know megan and chad being able to run don schumacher manufacturing there's there's so much out there so much to do and i don't think any one person can do it so we just keep on keeping on go to the next race you know my dad uh he'll be he'll be at several races i know he'll be in indy um and just uh i think maynard and deep down in his heart is very appreciative my dad gave him an opportunity because he's wanted this yes and you know i'm thankful for it because i got someone that's brutally excited gonna bring bring some people in and guy is motivated man that's the coolest part yep. of the whole deal for me it's not yep. just a vanity project this guy is nope. freaking motivated yeah and he was he was army his wife was army his son flew blackhawks you know that's wow. really what what hooked him and a lot of people don't know that man he was the army car sucked them in the army car sucked a lot of people in huh. that was you know that was a great car and it, that made him love drag racing and and uh, the thought of bringing me back and for me i didn't have a ride so yeah. the, the thankfulness i have towards them for stepping up and saying here's the start go find a little bit of money and we did that with skag power equipment it just it worked out perfectly next year uh it'll just get stronger and better it's unbelievable to me how we suffered for three years trying to find a deal and the amount of people right now that are excited and, and put money into our car to make it go fast. So it's great. Uh, we'll have a bigger, by far bigger deal next year. By far the next three years are going to be outstanding. 
Well, Tony, thanks so much for taking the time, man. Uh, enjoy uh, the weekend off. I think you guys are headed up to Skag for some uh, some company appearances, and I will see you in Topeka, Kansas. Outstanding. See you there. And that was a lot of fun. Insightful, honest, great opinions, hot takes. Got to love talking to Tony Schumacher, especially in a little bit more of a, let's call it, long-form format. So, Listen, I think you can hear in the guy's voice uh, where his head is at now after these guys have uh, have collected a win. I think after, you know, the Maynard uh, deal was announced, I think, you know, the understanding of how motivated Joe is and and now getting a little bit better picture about what it's like internally there. Uh, pretty awesome. So I, that was a great conversation with Tony. And, and listen, uh, I don't think I, I, I stand by what I said as far as the use of the word luck. I think anybody that sits at home and says, well, you got lucky there. I don't know. You don't get lucky four times in a row on Sunday. And, and he made some of his own luck there and they got the job done. And as he said, Phil Schuler coming in to, to help out for Todd Okahara couldn't get to the racetrack till Sunday and it all came together for him. So that's this episode of the NHRA Insider, a one-guest week here. I'll be back next week. We'll be talking about Topeka, Kansas. I'll let you know how my experience at Firebird Raceway in Boise, Idaho goes. I'll be up there this weekend for the Nightfire Nationals, the 51st running of this historic race. It is the largest motorsports event in the state of Idaho every single year, and it's going to be going on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. If you're in the greater Boise area, you best come out and see us. Firebird Raceway is an incredible place on the National Register of Historic Places. they got nostalgia, funny cars, fuel altered, front engine top fuelers this weekend, big money bracket racing, lots of great sportsman action, jets, wheel stander, you name it, we got it. You can check it out at Firebird Raceway online. You can Google them up and find them. I'll be there this weekend. Come out and see me. If not, I will see you in Topeka, Kansas. And if I don't see you there, you'll be hearing me next week as we get ready to talk about the Heartland Nationals presented by Pet Armor. It's going to be something else. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.